Hello and welcome to the second row Pro 14 Round 20 Recap Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Ushin Collins. Just about. Um, went to the Leinster game last night and met up with some old friends from the Lions Tour. Owen, Emma, Siobhan, you did this to me. <laughs> you sound like you're out all right. <laughs> yeah, so I apologise to our listeners for the audio quality of the very scratchy man. <laughs> all right, anyway, so this week, uh, Connacht weren't actually the first match on Friday night. So for novelty value, we'll start with Munster, finishing their tour of South Africa. Uh, then we'll head to Connacht and their trip to Glasgow. Uh, then finish off Friday night's games with Ulster and Ospreys. Then we'll move on to Saturday with um, Leinster v Benetton and quickly round up all the other results and, and finish out with our top performer and clown of the round. Uh-huh, I get to be up first this week. Should be fun. Cheetahs v Munster, 17 points to the Cheetahs, 19 to Munster. Finished our tour of South Africa with nine match points, a home quarterfinal, um, and no major injuries. So pretty happy with that. Not, not a classic match by any means. It was very much a case of another slow start for Munster, which is slightly worrying. Um, looked very dodgy for 30 minutes and then just literally clawed their way back into this game. Just kept the scoreboard ticking over and showed real grit and determination. I mean, Bloemfontein is not an easy place to go and win. And I think the Cheetahs' home records really stands to that their home record speaks for itself it's incredible like only two losses this season and I think one of them was against Glasgow really really early doors where they were still probably they had no preseason. they hadn't really had time to gel as a squad I think some of their players were still away any of their internationals were still with South Africa and some were still playing um Curry Cup but like in all fairness this week that first try of theirs was beautiful that yeah. line out move I saw I was like oh my god oh my god like ball to the back <laughs> pop down to a runner who taken the, the perfect line and then out wide for like an easy you know finish yeah and to be fair you saw it in that whole first 30 minutes in the first half in general their offloading is really good and it's a weird kind of an offload because they don't they don't pop the ball directly to guys running on their shoulders they kind of roll the ball up but they do so with enough depth that someone is always going to run onto it. They're just putting the ball into space and going, lads, you've got to be there. Yeah, and relying on players to come through and be there for it. Their second try was well um, was well taken as well. It came, well, it came after Zebo's yellow card. Well, someone had to go off at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think there'd been just a couple of penalties in the lead up to it. And uh, you could say it was a little bit harsh, but he was pretty clearly offside. I actually thought Arnold was lucky not to go off because he was up, he was more offside and it was a no-arm tackle. I know like Zebo was at the ruck and I guess that's why. Yeah, but it was Arnold's just more obvious, for... I think, because it was at the point of the ruck, yeah. But I thought that Arnold in general in the game stood up well. There was a couple of really important defensive interventions from him. He had a couple of times when he was chasing back and, and shutting players down and a couple of big hits out of the line. No, Arnold's a very solid player, very good for you. Like, one thing I noticed, though, like, this was only one moment. I saw Niall Scannell joining from back from all. He'd thrown the ball into line out, ball come down. He just kind of, like, he wasn't moving as freely almost as he should be as he joined the back. Hopefully that's just a bit of fatigue. I know he played, he put in a long shift last week as well. And it was good to see him and John Ryan both fished off at halftime or, or shortly after. Just just wondering, was that the same refing team as last week or the same ref anyway? Uh, same refing team. I think Lloyd Linton was um, was refing it last week. He was touch judge this week, but but I I would imagine it's the same refs who travelled out for the South African tour. Yeah, because it's mad because they let play go near down player again this week and effectively create the space for cheaters to get in behind. Yeah, and I mean you kind of saw it at the Leinster game. White House blew the ball up when the play came too near an injured player. So it's just it's it's one of these weird ones that it, it's very much at the referee's discretion if it's not like a serious head injury whether they'll allow play to continue near a down player. Once that break happened, I know Conway got did get blocked off a bit. The Glasgow defence wasn't great. Uh, no, and it's the point that I made last week. Our scramble defence is just a little bit nervous or, or a little bit indecisive. 
And it's funny, speaking of nervous, that was one of the one of the big turning points of the game, probably the turning point of the game for me was Connor Murray coming on. Um, he just brings a huge amount of composure to the game. It's a bit of a, a head versus heart, if you'll pardon the pun. Yeah, no, he's he was brilliant and he always, always gets those tries. No, oh, he's just so strong five meters out and like he picks brilliant, brilliant lines from him. But like once he came on, I think your game plan and the second half in general was spot on. Like he starved the cheaters of the ball and they had to start infringing. Yeah, the penalty count really started to ramp up and that's that's what enabled us to, like I said, to crawl back into the game. Very fortunate cheetahs to have 15 players on the pitch the whole time. Oh, chin to shoulder. I don't care about rap or whatever. That's a yellow card on the new laws. It's... Every day. It's nothing to do with whether there's a rap around. Like you're not allowed to tackle players at head height. Do you see how quickly he sprang back up on his feet though? It was brilliant. Springs in his back. Murray does like his uh, half-field penalties now these days, doesn't he? <laughs> like, it was so funny watching him have the conversation because Keatley came over and he was like, do you want me to kick it down the line? Murray's like, no, no, I got this. And Scannell comes over and says, I'm left-footed, I can kick it down the line. Murray's like, no, 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 I've got this. Like, you could just see him writing the headline of Murray nails 57-metre penalty to win game in his head. I did love that you could actually hear everyone going, you sure? On the ref yeah. mic, you can actually yeah. hear go, you sure? Yeah, it was brilliant. And he's like, guys, 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 it's good, it's good. That's what a kick, though. Like, he absolutely drained it from 57 metres out, like, right through the middle of the sticks. And he had a few metres to spare. Like, I know there's an altitude thing. He's done, He's taken a couple of those long-range kicks for Munster uh, this season, but altitude assisted, he, he, may, he makes that kick all day. Oh, definitely. Like, speaking of things picked up on the ref, Mike, uh, O'Mahony and Holland were really getting a dressing down from the ref of stop talking to me. Yeah, I, I was going to kind of talk about it a little bit later, but our ref management in this game was extremely poor. Like, Peter O'Mahony was just coming in, and you could tell, it's not it's something he does really well most of the time, but you could tell that he was he got on the referee's bad side, and I think that there was calls that we would have got that we didn't get as a result of it. There was one point that the referee called over Billy Holland and said, can you go speak to Peter? I'm not getting through to him. And that's like, that's bizarre. I, that's who he was talking to. Yeah. It was a white shot. So I didn't know who he was talking to. Yeah, yeah. He was talking to Billy because obviously he's another senior leader in the team. But he, he literally calling over another player on the team and being, can you go talk to your captain? Because he's not listening to me. Like, that's mad. So I'm going to ask you now from a current perspective, Cope and Butch. <laughs> I only caught extended highlights. How was he? He was good, actually. Um, he carried really well. He he often does carry when it's a kind of a, a hard surface underneath. Um, but he was good at the breakdown, made his tackles. Uh, it, it was a good performance. I mean, our back row in general was pretty good. Um, I was happy enough with it. Good week to be a Connacht fan watching. There was a brilliant um, there was a brilliant comment from Billy Holland a couple of weeks ago when he was interviewed post match. He said, um, "I think we should keep Robin on four month contracts for the rest of his career." <laughs> Which is, which is so bitchy, but like, it's just, it, it, he does play really well every time he's got a contract renewal coming up. So hopefully you get this version of Robin Copeland and not the, I have two years to run out on my deal version. Oh, lovely. So any other strengths uh, really showing from this week? Um, set piece was strong again. Um, so pretty pretty dominant at scrum time and the lineout was, was good. Uh, Travelling support was just ridiculous. Like when you can hear the fields of Athenry and Munster, Munster uh, ringing out around the stadium in the middle of South Africa, it's just, I know obviously a lot of the guys would have gone down for the two games. Uh, so it's not that, oh, look, there were people there, but their ability to outsing the home crowd was just really, really impressive. Looking the other direction, 
there was a few things that you wouldn't be happy with. I spoke about the referee management. We've got to get better at that, um, particularly next week in the Champions Cup. Last couple of games, I've seen a really slow start and, and some pretty loose defending. Um, and I'm, I have a real concern at nine. I, you, you look at James Hart when he's coming on as a backup. Um, I, I don't think he has the requisite amount of decisiveness or responsibility when he's behind a forward pack who aren't entirely dominant. Like You just get the sense that he's not in control. So looking to next week or the rest of the season, what do they need to build on? I think just start with the intensity an awful lot higher. We need to be in the game from the very first minute. Yeah, that seems like a good summation of that game anyway. I tell you who was switched on from minute one was your boys from the West. And then they switched off then in minute two. Yeah, 35-22, probably... Probably not a bad result on paper, but... Oh, that scoreline completely flatters Connacht. That could have been 50-0 at halftime. And, and I think it nearly was. <laughs> that early try, I was like, oh my God, we're going we're gonna to perform. This is brilliant. I've really got my hopes up. You can't hope. Hope is what kills you, Park. It really did when Hogg came back literally a minute later. Oh, Big missed tackle from Bundy in the, um, the lead-up to that, actually. Oh, the midfield all first half was all over the shop. Like the same things again were happening as the other week, giving away cheap tickle penalties far too often, and they're like right in front of the post. It's not like you're giving away a cheap penalty out by the the sideline or something. It's just because your penalty count wasn't too bad. It's just that all of them were in really disadvantageous positions. Yeah, like just to sum up our season, Rob intercepts a pass, brilliant. He breaks forward, throws back a loose pass down straight away, and the ball's on ground. We give away kickfield penalty at the rook. It's that kind of brainlessness that is just so frustrating. I mean, Glasgow were running through whenever they wanted, um, inside, outside, up the middle. But to be fair, their handling is absolutely outstanding. Like, they're throwing and catching passes that players on that pitch have no right to throw and catch. Don't get me wrong, I can't talk about this match from a Connacht perspective. Like, Glasgow ran this match and completely, wholeheartedly deserved to win. Like, they've just played better all around. I know we played badly, but Glasgow just played brilliantly. Yeah, they were excellent. They 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 won that game, and Connacht didn't get a say in the matter. At half time, I was absolutely disgusted. Like it seemed there was no passion. The basics and fundamentals weren't there. I say we would have been better off just putting on the Eagles or at worst tackle bags for all the ability we showed. <laughs> Fifteen tackle bags in white jerseys. <laughs> Isn't that a way jersey muck? Sorry. <laughs> it's not great, yeah, it's not great. But at least it doesn't clash. Um, it's not, not South Africa, Ireland. True. Second half performance was a little bit better. I mean, I think you at least made them work a little bit harder for their scores. And they only got one try in the second half, you know, so that's that's something. But Glasgow really just, they had the game won. I, was, I, I think I was watching it and I wrote down, um, Glasgow concede try because they have appropriately switched off in defence. Like, and the thing is, our try was nice, you know, Illy makes a nice break when Farrell just opened up a bit of space. And when he came on, and when Farrell came on, actually, the defensive midfield did kind of shore up a small bit. I think himself and Bundy do have a much better understanding of each other than Bundy and anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. What what worked? I mean, I know you're, you're kind of picking through the threads of this, but where were you strong? Our line-out and Maul weren't awful, which is, which is good. Like, our scrum was good. And, um, like, I'm surprised we didn't get that penalty try earlier. Like, we're just camped there and doing scrums for five minutes and winning penalty after penalty after penalty kind of going at some point this just has to just be a penalty try i thought butler was going to lose the plot at one point he was a bit too quiet talking to the ref for my liking for captain i think a more established captain with a bit more authority kind of goes come on now this is we've been here for a few minutes let's get this going yeah he was kind of he was 
he was flapping a bit, but he wasn't having the, the quiet word in the ear saying, that's three resets now, what's happening the next, come on. Yeah, but like, we had three resets in a row, and what do we do? We go to the freaking corner. That was a bizarre decision. Like, I know they had a sub prop on, so more than likely they would have got a bit more leeway, but still. Yeah. Um, nice to see that Connacht were fighting till the end, though, and, and kind of pulling scores back in the last half of a game rather than just dropping away completely. Yeah, but like, you have to put in the context of Glasgow took the foot so much off the pedal, I think they were in the changing room. They just had the game one at that stage. Uh, gaps, weaknesses? Defence again. We were literally looked like we were caught in two minds about what we were doing. You know, like, our numbers weren't right. Sometimes we were drifting, sometimes we were shooting. There was no kind of consistency in defence. Do Connacht have a specialist defence coach, or is it Kieran Keane taking that as well? We have Edinburgh's defence coach from last season. Well, that's a great idea. <laughs> okay. I know, it's just a bit mad. Like, we even we attacked very narrow. When no one's breaking the game line, we're incredibly easy to defend against, and then our break ball and ball protection is just awful. It's the inconsistency that really ruined that game for you, because there was, there was moments of, of decent... Um, there was decent moments from a couple of players on the pitch. There was some good stuff shown, but just not enough and, and not in a consistent way, and, and too, too sloppy, as you said, in defence. That's for sure. It's like we're trying to play super rugby. <laughs> yeah. But we're not scoring enough points to be playing super rugby. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, yeah, the, the key point in super rugby is you have to score more than your opponent if you're not going to defend. Um, One game left. What are we What are we trying to do from this to, to finish the season on a high? We just have, like, it's John's last game. We have to win that. That's just it. Like, if we can't give him a send-off with a home win. Like, I just don't know. Okay, well, hopefully that should um, that should turn into a pretty good game in a couple of weeks' time. It'll be enjoyable anyway. The atmosphere will be great, and I can't wait to be there. Ah, Muldoon's been a phenomenal player, so it'll be good to, good to see him sent off in the proper style. Well, the last game on Friday night, Ulster Ospreys, and boy, did I get this wrong. <laughs> At least I called an Ulster win. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> I called an Osprey win and try bonus points for all, and... I, th- I genuinely I flicked over at some point and I thought I was watching a soccer match like 3-0 until the 80th minute I'd just been watching the cock match and we decided we literally had a discussion what's the Osprey score and I'm like 8-0 no no no, no not at half time what's the Osprey score no no it's 8-0 fine whistle like what what and we literally flicked to BBC Northern Ireland just to kind of see like this is real this actually happened I could have been 3-0 though like but for but for another classic Jacob Stockdale intercept it would have been 3-0 as a scorer in a professional rugby game, which I think the last time I saw that was in the sports ground, Connacht Munster, seven or eight or nine years ago in some like manky December evening. The main reason there was no tries scored in that match because it was 80 minutes of white line fever. Like, how can you have white line fever in your own half? You know, it's just like everything had to be like a mile a minute and try and get over the try line. Yeah, I think it was just not doing the basics right, not playing with any kind of composure at all and obviously you, you get that when you lose um when you lose one of your halfbacks early enough in the game and particularly when you're you're flipping Cooney out from nine to ten who played well well enough there but it's quite disruptive to how you run a game yeah like Cooney's good at 10 he does a job actually but he's not gonna unlock a team yeah but one person who did unlock a team was Diesel great offload to Stockdale at the very beginning of the match but like I know Osprey's defended well yeah, I mean, he was good for us last year um, when he came in as a kind of medical joker. He's he's a, he's a good ball carrier, and he, he had a good game, so there was a bit of an offload, there was a lot of ball carried. Um, but then, you know, Treadwell turned up and absolutely butchered the chance that was there. And, and that happened a couple of times. He just had 
like the last pass being forced or not taking the right option and yeah, it was it wasn't a great game to watch actually no fairness you were wrong there was one try scored in that first half it was disallowed but <laughs> yeah and, and it was a nice try like they created space really well and i think haverfield just upped the pace like that kind of five or ten percent and and the ospreys just went around ulster which is so so disappointing because if they can do it once and you know if your captain isn't trying to pull somebody's head off then you could do it all of the time like there was no need for him to be there like the rook was one like the ball was already gone but the problem is i saw that like four times in that game that exact same necro and they're not called so i'd say it's infuriating if you're playing and that stuff's kind of just in the game let alone from match to match not being called yeah no fair I thought Ulster were a little bit, again, talking about decision-making, there was a number of kickable penalties that they turned down. And apart from the fact that it's slightly disrespectful, it just it just tells me that they're not focused on getting the points first and worrying about the bonus points after. Like, this is Rugby 101. Win the match, then get your bonus point. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that's... We talked about it in the Munster game earlier. If Munster had been trying to ding that ball into the corner every time, where would we have ended up? Whereas kicking the points, staying in the game... We were able to grind out a win, and Ulster could potentially have had, what, six or nine points coming into that half time, and that would have been a significant difference. If you're up by nine going to the second half, it's just kind of like, then you can go to the corner, then you can kind of loosen up a small bit. Ulster in their heads were already doing all the, you know, the back of the fag packet maths in terms of how many points do we need from this game, how many points do we need against Glasgow and against Munster to get where we need to be for the end of the season. It was fairly stupid, to be honest. They were lucky not to be down to 14 at one point. I think that hit on bigger was a yellow card. He was fairly prone. I know he was standing in a ruck, but he wasn't interfering with anything. Yeah, but I mean, if Dan Bigger is standing in a ruck, are you telling me you're not going to take a chance to absolutely smash him? <laughs> I think that's what the commentators even said. Yeah. You're going to take that chance, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, any any player, yes. Dan Bigger, yes, with bells. The second half kind of um, just went through the motions, didn't it? Ulster forcing things and not nothing working off like even that Ulster no try it was the right call but why is there why is Timoney the back row there not anyone in the back line yeah it was one of these ones where I spent more time watching the clock than watching the game in the second half I was ready for this to be over in all fairness what did impress me Shannon when he came on had a nice tidy game yeah not bad now and again I, I think it kind of leads into just talking about some of the strengths from Ulster there's a bit of depth coming through in some of the positions um, with some, some very good young talent up there and you're just hoping that it comes through from their system now there's been occasions where they fail to, to get guys to convert through from academy into senior contracts. So, In all fairness, their backline is incredibly dangerous. Stockdale, Stockdale, Stockdale. <laughs> if we dream of a team of Jacob Stockdale. Losing Pieta next year is going to be you know an issue they need to solve, but you've still got the likes of, um, of Louis Ludic, who's been good the last couple of games, um, McCloskey, Marshall, who came on as a sub. And there was some really good physicality from their pack, actually. You, you talked about Diesel earlier. Rhea was good, and Henderson is just a monster. Like, he's just so strong. Yeah, it's been the first time this season that their pack has kind of really dominated the game, which is impressive for them, and it's just too little too late, really. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, like I said, that they had... I, I took a quick look at the stats because I was just trying to figure out, and it was 69% possession for Ulster and 80% territory. Like, how you how you manage to turn that into a 3 nil lead with 79 minutes on the clock i have absolutely no idea that that is awful but that goes to with their poor decision making yeah absolutely like going forward you know what what do also need to do to improve they could do with getting some better commentators like i have no idea what game bbc northern ireland were watching but you would swear it was like the all blacks against south africa in the world cup final um rather than the grimmest eight nil win of all time 
they have their cheerleaders leave them be colour commentary is fine when it's not completely coloured in from wall to wall <laughs> no I, I, I think really Ulster are just a team who are who are begging for the for the end of the season at this stage it's about damage limitation uh, at the moment they are in real risk of, of losing out on Champions Cup rugby next season they're they've got two games left both of which I think they're going to be up against it and you've got Benetton uh, chasing them up behind and who have a home game I think against Zebra so I would be I would be nervous were I an Ulster fan at this point in time and you're actually at the um Leinster Benetton match the, the next night what was it like being there um there was actually a pretty good crowd I was happy enough uh, I think the crowd were stunned into silence by by the performance from from the Italians nobody nobody was predicting them to to come away with a win so 15 points um to Leinster 17 to Benetton they were there was just an incredibly high tempo dynamic start and Leinster let themselves be bullied around the park yeah that opening was very scrappy but it did keep Leinster on the back foot yeah absolutely and again it's similar to what we were talking about with Hart earlier Gibson Park isn't great when he's playing in front of a pack that's not dominating and because of the aggression and the physicality from the Italians he he ended up releasing a lot of inaccurate box kicks and just letting the ball get slowed down at rook time like those kicks he was really inviting Benetton on you know yeah they were just a little bit too deep for um for the chasers to get to them so you kind of had a, a, a clean shot at take the kick and then and then go back up like the one exception was where um where Larmore took it and got absolutely smashed in the air by the by the by the Benetton player yeah which like I I know you think that was a penalty I'm like going he was going for the ball like he had he was completely eyes on ball like five years ago sure but the way the laws are at the moment you you go up in the air and and somebody runs into you you're you're going to win a penalty yeah he was just in the air first i i like i see where it came from but i just think it's one of those things where another ref would call that a rugby collision yeah possibly i i I think that's a pretty clear one though from from where i was it was right in front of me but in all fairness lamard butchered a chance um in that first half which he should have given to mcfadden yeah the 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 crowd in the terrace were there was some strange stuff like hearing hearing Leinster fans cheer or um screaming at their team to take the three points against Benetton was was a slightly surreal experience. See, the problem is, and um, like I was gonna actually talk about this later, but Benetton are too good a team this season that you can't expect to just turn up and collect your five match points. Yeah, no, that that that's fair. They've they've kicked on a huge way. Like they're defending better. Their fitness levels, their fitness levels in particular, have improved massively. Like they never looked like fading. No, uh, and like uh, it was a masterclass in how to handle a yellow card and being a player down. Like kept the ball tight, kicked for territory, won penalties when they were available, won turnovers when they were available. Like it, it was an extremely capable management of um of that yellow card period. For like an absolutely brain dead yellow card to give away. Oh, the Benetton though outworked Leinster the full eighty minutes of this match. They were hungrier. They were first to every ball. They made muck of every breakdown. Like it, Leinster got beaten up. Well, they got beaten up, but they got outplayed as well. Like let's not forget they finished two tries with Benetton having scored three, like, and and Leinster's two tries were well taken. So. Um, Strauss got over at the end of a, a, a pretty clinical maul. Um, Daly took his try well. He was very busy in that first half. He, he played well. It's just unfortunate that he was absolutely shocking after halftime. But the um, the Treviso tries were well taken. Like 
in themselves. McFadden got done for that bounce. Like he was unlucky, but don't let the ball bounce behind you like that. Yeah, no, that was that was unfortunate. Um, you kind of feel like I've I've played fullback. I feel for the guy, but you don't let the ball bounce on a rugby pitch. It's just too unpredictable. In all fairness, watching the match, I was completely delighted for Benetton. Yeah, and, and it meant a huge amount. You could tell with the team when they won it. Like that's their World Cup final, and uh, there was a little pocket of fans up in the north stand who were going absolutely mental. Um, it was great. It, it was lovely to see kind of good vocal support, and finally having a having a really big win to to cheer. Like this Leinster team. Even missing some of their top players are no mugs. But like overall, Leinster didn't really have many strengths, really, did they? That game. No, like not a lot to see. Um, you had a couple of Leinster players had a good first half, but but there was very few that you could point at that had a strong performance over the eighty minutes. Um, huge drop off in um in the intensity levels after halftime. Do you think he's gonna play next week or even make the Australia tour? It depends what Joe Schmidt wants to do with Australia. I think he wants to go down and get results. Um, I would I would think bringing Sean O'Brien is no harm, just a bit of seniority. It might mean he can leave a couple of players who've had long seasons at home. And in all fairness, Leinster's discipline was pretty decent as well. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the first half when they had the ball and they were retaining it well, they were working through phases. They just, again, similar, they were missing the odd pass that was, that was having opportunities break down on them. But in general, their ball retention was pretty good. But like looking at the... Um other side of the things you kind of think they just didn't have their eye on the match yeah kind of look at it next week um a lot of change to that team a lot of players rested and i think they're very lucky that um that the scarlets got beaten up by edinburgh because otherwise they could be at a risk of, of having to go through a quarter final and losing out on that valuable rest weekend i mean as it is i think they're pretty safe having got the bonus point um they're five points clear of scarlets at the top of the table and they're they're head to head and their points difference are like should be strong enough like i know it was his first game starting at 10 but carby wasn't great no he wasn't controlling the game at all um he's a good player but you could see when he was coming into the attack the time he was making a difference was when he was coming into it from the second lines which is where he would have been if he was attacking as a second pivot from fullback you're not you're not no reed's biggest fan he's just not good he's a revolving door in defense he offers very little in attack and you could tell every time he got the ball it was like he was trying to do quadratic equations in his head to figure out what he was going to do next. But like going forward for Leinster, he won't be there. Yeah, like it's going to be Issa in there, which which has its own kind of challenges. Issa's Issa is kind of the opposite in that possibly not as not as physically competent anymore, but hugely intelligent rugby player and knows how to play the game. Larmore wasn't bad, but like, I think he beat four defenders. But uh, I wonder how many of them he beat going sideways across the pitch. Yeah, he tries to do that sidestep every single time he's before contact and and that's fine but if if players know you're going to do that they can just drift it and, and let you come at them whenever whenever you want don't get me wrong the, the kid is clearly talented but still a little way to go uh, i think that's leinster really kind of wrapped up yeah i mean look, they'll get their starting pack next week they'll have the internationals back in and um, and you'd expect that to to drive a lift in performance the other results this weekend edinburgh and scarlet's and they were hockey the Scarlets B team 52-14. Yeah, like they had four tries in the bag before the Scarlets even woke up and realised they were playing rugby. Like you knew they had a lot to gain from winning this match. Yeah, like the, the Scarlets knew they were in the playoffs. They, they're pretty sure they're going to get a home draw in the quarterfinals. Um, I, and I think they would have expected Leinster to beat Benetton as well. So no particular requirement for them to go out and put in a performance. But uh, yeah, definitely Edinburgh were way more up for this. And this one's just for you. Duncan Weir didn't finish off a breakaway. 
yeah, I think he popped, he popped the ball out. He finally realized I'm not supposed to be this fast. I'm letting people on to my secret. And then your game, then move on to clearly your game of the weekend, Zebra v Dragons. Uh, I don't care. I still don't care. Who won it? Dragons let a 26-10 halftime lead slip to lose 34-32. See, I told you I don't care. You can't make me care about this game. Like if 15 actual zebras went out to play against 15 actual dragons, I still wouldn't have watched it. <laughs> All right, we'll just move on to um, Kings v Cardiff. I presume Cardiff got the win here. Yeah, they won like 45 points to 12. I guess they get to go home now. That Cardiff team should have more than enough for the Kings. So that's all the matches um, wrapped up. We'll move on to our top performer and clown the round. Who do you think for a top performer? I was trying to figure out if there was one of the Benetton players who stood out. Like I think probably as a team, they, they would have been a contender for it. But for me, it's got to be Conor Murray. Standout Irish player by a mile. He's just a class above every other person on that pitch. He was the difference between winning and losing that match. And uh, what about you, Porik? Have we got a clown of the round? The clown of the round could have gone to a few people in that Treviso Leinster match, but for me, it's going to Jack McGrath. Illegal at the Rock all day. Like, he's the first player to captain Leinster to home defeat against any Italian opposition. Ooh, what, a, what, a, what a glorious honour. But the moment that sealed it for, hit, for me was that incredible pullback pass to no one that led Tommaso Allen for that third try. Not a vintage performance. I think his little cameo at captain is is possibly not one that we may see oft repeated. He will want to forget this match as quickly as possible. Not one for the scrapbook. Right, that's us for this week. We'll be back on Friday, April 20th, previewing round 17 2.0. And we may even have a few words for the Champions Cup semi-finals. Reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash the second row or on Twitter where we're at the second row. That is 2ND, not the word second. If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please like, subscribe and generally spread the word. Until next week, uh, goodbye and thank you for listening and talk to you next week, Oshin. Cheers, Borg. Take care.